Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. So the last couple of weeks, we've been weaving a conversation around my new stay-at-home, learn-at-home clinics. And I'll be telling you a little bit more about those at the end of this podcast. For now, what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the final segment of this conversation. So far, we've talked about the value of videoing your training sessions, and then we moved on to constructional training and gold diamonds for questions, and we looked at building blocks and the value of revisiting the foundation lessons. And one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again is that really advanced performance is just the basics done really, really well. So last time we ended with a conversation around the prerequisite skills that you might need for a particular lesson that you're working on and and how you can use those prerequisites to help pop out other desired behavior. And Dominique has been working on a Spanish walk with one of her horses. So she was really curious about how you could get a better Spanish walk gesture uh, using some of the techniques that we were talking about. And for those of you who don't know what Spanish walk is, picture a horse that's walking along normally, it's just walking as in a nice relaxed way as any horse would. And then imagine that instead of just walking in that nice normal fashion, the horse is lifting one front leg straight up and out in front of him and then the other uh, front leg straight up and, and out in front of him. It's a very beautiful movement when it's done well and it can be very good for a horse's back. So we're going to explore what Dominique has been doing with the Spanish walk and see if we can't tease apart a little bit one of the places where she's been getting stuck. And it, it really is a matter of when you're looking at something at an advanced exercise, such as Spanish walk, that often the solution is found by revisiting some of the basic, not just the basic behaviors, but also just some of the basic fundamental core concepts of clicker training. So let's see where this takes us. And then at the end, I'll tell you some more about my new uh, clinics. I'm just really excited about those. They're uh, we've already started them, and it's they're just so much fun, really fun. So off we go. You get basically you get a little bit of regression, but you've set it up so that when you're when you what your animal regresses to is a behavior that you've put into repertoire. So the the answer pops out. It's very sneaky. I wonder if it's always regression, because I'm just thinking now I have an image in my mind of very small extinction that um, produces some variation or a little bit more intensity in the gesture. Let's say 
you have a Spanish walk. Yeah. You can have a really extended leg or not. You know, there's, there can be more energy, more extension in that leg. You know, I remember, for instance, um, there's one leg where Woody would tend to, to, to keep his knee folded. Okay. He, he, he would, that would be his tendency. And so I, if I withheld the click, he would finally extend the, the leg, you know, he would get to that point. Um, and in the beginning, I did click just the bent, the bent leg because he was, you know, it was part of, he was getting there, at least right. he was lifting the leg. So I did click that. But eventually, I kind of put that on, on in extinction because I wanted the full extension. And I don't know, I don't see regression necessarily there. I see like just this tiny intensity that is, I mean, it's... So you're riding, you're basically, you're riding an extinction burst. A little, a little burst. How would you, but I have, but then I have a prop to help explain to him because I have a pool noodle to help, and he's doing it with the other leg. And so, you know, he knew how to do it with the left, the right leg, but he was having it a little bit longer with the left leg, not that long, but it did, you know, so for a while, I guess there was a bit of an extinction because I was no longer clicking it all the time, the bent leg, Right. but did I get there? It wasn't a macro extinction, you know, he kept at it and... Do you think I I would I get well it without a, without seeing the video? Yeah, it's hard to say. Huh? Right, mm. I would not want to because let's say I don't know if we can use that example, but if I had used regression, what would that have looked like? So I would have put into repertoire the component pieces. But but how can you put it in the repertoire before it's there? So the leg extinction is not there yet. You, you, you have a horse that bends his knee. He, he's kind of struggling. He's trying to figure it out, I guess. <laughs> and, but it, it's, it's not quite there. It popped out. So something, right. something happened and it didn't seem to me like a very frustrating process for him, but maybe I could have done it better with, the, with this approach. Well, there, remember, there, there are always, there's always more than one way to shape every behavior. So you don't have to do work. It's not a recipe, go through regression. Yeah. Right, mm -hmm. right. It's not a recipe. But still, so, I'm, I'm curious to see how I could add that in this particular uh, lesson, you know, could help me in other lessons. So right. if I had wanted to use regression for this, how would I have done that? Well, you'd have, you would want to look at what makes up that, uh, up and out leg lift. I'd have to think about uh, for, for Woody um, because I don't know all of his repertoire. And but and it's it's a it's a behavior he likes to do too. So yeah. maybe that makes a difference in in how it progressed for him. It's harder to to do um, identify all the components. It's not always that easy. No, it's not always that easy to identify what are, what are the pieces. When you're looking at something like Spanish walk, uh, there are lots of different ways that you can get to it. So there, there isn't one and only one route to getting the leg extension. 
and I suspect because you do a lot with targeting that you would you could set up a lot of the body part targeting experiences for him that would take the his leg forward so the more like to to use the pool noodle on the foot just to get that lift there yeah so Um, i would i think i would put into repertoire for him which he already has uh, a lot of body part targeting mm -hmm. and then begin to have the body part targeting of his foot to the pool noodle and target his uh that foot forward more Mm. i I know some people have taught it by having a horse put the foot up onto a platform. Something. Mm-hmm. And I think given Woody's background and the way that, that I think you teach a lot of the behaviors, that that might be an interesting way of doing it. It's not, it's not a method that I have used, but I, you, know, you can certainly explore it. You know, it's funny because he knew how to do the full leg extensions of both when I was next to him and my cue was just my own leg lifting because we've played with that in the past. Yeah. But I wanted to have this from the front now. Okay, I wanted my cue now to be instead of I didn't want it always to be you you do this when I'm next to you. and My cue is my own leg. Sometimes I want to be kind of me walking backward and you're walking towards me and my my final uh, cues will only be slight gestures of the hands. So I kind of re redid it with this cue and the pool noodle and for some reason this other leg was not so that right so that may give you the clue where you jumped your cues the context too fast it's too big a jump so instead of going from the side to in front Mm. in one big jump I would do smaller approximations of the change of position yeah, but then my my pool noodle is going to be very clumsy because the the I'm using the pool noodle kind of I'm kind of because I still wanted to feed with the right hand. Yeah. Okay. And I only have two. So I was kind of using the pool noodle. I was putting my hand in the middle of the pool noodle and switching hand and then just indicating left or right, left or right. And I didn't at some point, you know, very quickly, I didn't have to touch the the leg. I just had to do it um, just kind of point. But I switch hand in the middle so that I could feed and it would all be clean, a nice loop and everyone and including I would be in good balance because if I'm, do you see what I mean? So my position- yeah, but if he knows it, if he, if he knows, if he has the behavior and it's and it's doing it well in one context where you're walking beside him yeah and he and he really understands that yeah then and I, he likes I, it <laughs> and he likes it then yeah. i think i would shift my cues in smaller degrees so that the loop remains really clean and you know you can end up standing in front of him with the transferred cue process cueing you know with the uh, pool noodle Mm. but I think I would make the cue shifts a little more gradual that that's your missing piece that would be the missing step Mm. but then I'm not seeing I'm not seeing it so well so I'll I'll think about it maybe one day I'll send you um because I do have it on video yeah (laughs) 
But, you know, within a session, he, he just extended it. And, you know, it may have been too, but because, because we hadn't done it in a while, it may have been, because I think Spanish walk can be tiring for the horse. I don't know, for some reason, it seemed that it was more difficult for him physically to extend that leg than the other. But maybe I'm wrong. You'd have no, to look at the is. view. Yeah. You know, because it's a balance issue. It often mm. is more difficult to uh, extend and depending upon what's going on physically, you know, where they're sort of like being left-handed or right-handed uh, may make a difference. And then uh, what's going on physically within for any horse, you may have really definite preferences. And there was a part of me that kept saying, he's going to figure it out, you know? And so that phrase, I think can be can be uh, can be a dangerous. Yes, it can. I, so I, I'm sure sometimes it's okay to have like you would call them the puzzle moments or the insight or, but I think when we have that in our mind, we should be careful. It's kind of a little yellow flag yes. coming up. Yes, he'll figure it out. Yes. Yeah. You you have um, you have, Woody is a resilient learner. He loves the game. He does. He's. He's been at this for a long time now. So he's going to stay in that puzzle-solving mode for a long time before well, he says, Well, if you know, I push it too far, he disengages. You know, he'll start to, yeah, yeah he does disengage exactly. if I so, push it too much. That's right. You know, if, you, if that's what I was, where I was headed, you know, he's a resilient learner. But there will be a point where he's going to say, you know, this puzzle I can't solve. and Whenever we encounter a puzzle that we can't solve, it erodes a little bit of the confidence that we are good yeah. puzzle solvers. Yeah, that's and, so true. I, and, I think that's very true and dangerous. Yeah, yeah. yeah. very so it, true. It's not just that we're, you know, that, that trust account that people talk about. You know, you want to build up the, your, your bank account, as it were, in terms of, uh, but mm -hmm. it's, I don't want to erode my learner's confidence that they can do this. In his competency, in his own competency. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. agree. It's um, true for humans, and I'm sure oh. it's true for the animal. Yeah. Uh, they feel they know how to do this. They can, they can, you know, they, they, they are competent. It shows. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, and, it is, and, and it's we're all the same. It's much more fun when you feel competent, when you don't feel competent, you just and you don't know how to get there. Yeah. You just want to. It's not a fun. It's not a good no, feeling to have. So you want to get away from that. Yeah. Then you start you start going into avoidance behavior. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Can I can I just get away from this as fast yeah. as I can? Mm. And, you know, I think it's so worth having these conversations because it's a slippery slope and we think, you know, we're, we're okay. You know, I know, he, I know he can figure it out. He's okay. He's okay. I've mm. given him the, I've given him the pieces. He can figure it out. And you know, your learner. So, you know, yeah, he can figure it out. He'll be all right. I'm, I'm not chipping away at his confidence to um, let him, let him explore this puzzle a little bit. And then there are other times where you would just say, you know, I need to go have a cup of tea. I need to go talk with someone else and just bounce some ideas uh, off them a little bit to see what I come up with. And, and I'm sure you can look at some old videos and see how you could have made it easier. 
for the yeah. animal. Yeah. Now that you, you know what you know. Yep. Mm. And you start to recognize more. Oh, you know, I didn't realize how frustrated he was. I didn't understand yeah. that mm. that's his, that this individual shows his frustration by yeah. looking away. You know, yeah. he doesn't feel dangerous. No. He's not pawing. He's not biting yeah. at you. He's just sniffing a pile of manure. Or he's yeah. just suddenly, oh, look, I need to be distracted by... Exploring the carrot I dropped on the ground. Yeah, yeah. And you, which, you... which he was not exploring before for five minutes. And yeah. all of a sudden, you make it more difficult and he starts yep. to explore that carrot that's been yeah. there for yeah. since the beginning. Yeah. And when you're, when you're just learning a learner, as it were, you may not recognize or know what it is that you're looking at. And then down the road, you begin to say, oh, this is how this individual expresses his uh, frustration, mm -hmm. expresses his, you know, this is getting hard for me. And, mm -hmm. and then it's up to us to say, ah, it's my responsibility. It's not, it's not my fault. Oh, I'm to blame for this. Mm -hmm. it's, but it's my responsibility to notice and make a little adjustment. And sometimes all it takes is a little adjustment. Maybe mm -hmm. all you needed to do was just shift your orientation a degree or two. And he would have said, oh, I, I know what you want me to do. Mm -hmm. I've got it. You know, mm -hmm. and that little adjustment of position might have been all he needed to figure out the answer faster. Mm -hmm. You know, that it's, it's not cheating to give them a hint. No. We're not solving the puzzle completely for them. Because, you know, you make it so easy, then it becomes meaningless. But nor are you saying, well, I have to set a really hard puzzle for, for this individual because, you know, they're graduate students, so they should have a hard puzzle. You know, that's, that's no good either. So, mm. you know, and this is the kind of conversation that I want to have in the clinics that the virtual, I've had people who have said to me, oh, you know, I wish that uh, we could, you know, all join in in the, in the Equosity podcast because <laughs> you raised so many questions and I would just love to be able to, to uh, participate, uh, to participate. Add on. Yeah. Well, in the, in the virtual coaching sessions that are going to be associated with the clinics, that in essence is what we're going to be doing. That mm. we might have a puzzle like this. It may be that you know we we end up looking just at you know I'm, that at one video we all get fascinated by what a particular horse is doing, and we're bouncing ideas off the you know off of one another, and and then that enormous feeling of satisfaction of well here's a course of action for you to go for you to go test. No, it's not. This is the answer, mm. but it's go, go mm. ask the horse, go test this out and see what you get, videotape it, and then come back and let's look at it again. Mm -hmm. And what I'm, what I'm really excited by on these coaching sessions is that they are going to evolve. They're going to absolutely be influenced by who is attending them, the questions that get asked the videos that we look at and and I'm going to let them evolve so that we're really meeting the needs of the learners and if that means that we are looking at everybody's video 
that's one way of doing it. If it means that we all get fascinated or we have a particular question that is coming up out of one of the clinics that we want to explore in more depth, and that's how we want to use the time, we use the time, but it's it gives us that portion of the clinic where, you know, you know, if we were in an in-person clinic, there are two elements that I just really love in the clinics. One is, of course, is working with the horses, and then the other is that time we spend chewing over the training together, you know, sort of what we're doing here, hmm. that chewing over the training, and it's such an important part of it. And it's, I think, when people, you know, want that, in-person clinic experience, that's part of what we're looking for. We want to be able to sit around a dinner table and talk about training and talk about horses and chew over the what we've seen during the day and you know what are the what are the underlying concepts that we're exploring? Or what is the explanation for what we saw? Or you know, what are the uh, ten other ways that we could have presented that lesson? For that learner, mm-hmm. now, that's what's that's what's really fun, and then and and it's having that guideline really of how easy it is to for the balance to tip from uh, an eager puzzle solver, where that little bit you know when you you're you're working on a puzzle and it's a little bit hard. You can't quite figure it out. And then all of a sudden you get it. Mm. And that feeling of satisfaction is, you know, wow. And so that frustration is actually uh, gets, in a sense, I hope this doesn't sound weird, but that feeling of frustration becomes like a, it's, it's reinforced because you know that it's what that it precedes that enormous feeling of satisfaction of having solved a puzzle. Yeah, if but you if the, know you're competent and if you the can puzzle, do it. right? Because if the puzzle then becomes too hard, mm-hmm. where you can't solve it, it's desperation, then, <laughs> right? And then it goes from that. Oh, this is this is a, you know, let me let me let me work away at this and that uh, to. You're right. Desperation is a good word. Mm. You know, I need to. I have to solve this, but I can't solve it. Mm. And now I'm getting frustrated. And so let me let me go into distraction training. Let me throw something at my teacher. You know. Yeah. Let me act out in class. Let me uh, bite at my human. Let me stare out into space. Let me, you know, look bored. Whatever it is. Uh, but now I've I've gone too far. Yeah. And we want to be, we, we just, we want to be in the micro and not in the macro. And that's, uh, uh, you know, that you can be on the slippery slope and suddenly be sliding down into macro. Uh, really go, oh, fast. How, how did I get here? Yeah. But I think the. The but language. at least if you recognize it quickly, I mean, yes. not too harm, too much right. harm has been done, right. you know. And the language really helps us to know what learning path are we on. You know, when you say, oh, I'll just let the horse figure it out. What, 
are, you know, as Susan Friedman would say, how do we operationalize that? What does that look like? Uh, what, what does that mm. really mean when you're saying, I'm just going to let the horse figure it out? And how far, are you going, how far are you willing to go letting the learner figure it out? Exactly. And, and you're right. I mean, because we used to, you know, in the natural horsemanship, you know, when the stress, the pressure would be taken off the horse and the horse would start licking their lips, you would hear things like that. Oh, he's, he's figuring it out, you yeah. know, which yeah. is with, the horse was licking his lips because he could finally start salivating after all that stress. Um, and so you used to hear that a lot in that yes. context. And in positive reinforcement, you still hear it, you know, and, and it's like you said before, for good reason, because when there is an insight, when there is a good puzzle moment that the puzzle is at the level of the learner, it, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, that's no. how you progress. There has to be a shift from something I didn't know before <clears throat> that I have just learned. But this is where nuances start being real and details start being really yes. important. And, and so speaking of details takes us to the third clinic in this clinic series, <clears throat> which is the What Do You See clinic. Mm -hmm. which is one that I really enjoy. So we use example, non-example of, you know, it's because part of training is find a look that pleases your eye. Mm -hmm. It's not what do I look, want to see, but what pleases your eye, which is part of the big, that, you know, the constructional question, that first question, uh, dream big. Where, where is it that you want to go when you are thinking about, say, a horse that's being ridden what is your idea of equine beauty? And you know, I think if you if we start asking a lot of different people, and we know this, you know, you go on the internet and somebody's posted a picture or a video of a horse under saddle and they're really pleased with what uh, they have put up. And then 10 other people will come in and go, but, 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 but. Hmm. And uh, so there are lots of different opinions. And so that always that reminder of go to people for opinions and horses for answers. But what is it that pleases your eye? And, and how do you begin to develop your eye? So because for me, the goal is I want that for me, balance means balance that helps to maintain the physical and emotional well-being of the horse over a long period of time. So that yes. when that horse is, is in his 20s, in his 30s, that barring metabolic health issues, that that horse is sound and comfortable in his body. And so we start looking at balance and looking at the details. Can you see what comes before the thing that comes before the thing that you want to click? You know, so it's movement cycles, mm. understanding movement cycles, seeing the details. Because if you can see the thing that comes before the thing that comes before the thing you want to click, your timing will be spot on. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and it's so and then, important. And then combining mm. that, the visual observation skills with the kinesthetic observational skills, mm. the feel, what are you feeling? And then begin to really explore this through 
uh, our own body awareness because there's so much that you can learn about a horse's movement and a horse's balance and what it is that you want to reinforce and why through an exploration of, of our own balance. And I'm always, you know, it's just astounding how much, because we're a biped, you wouldn't think that there would be such a direct um, connection between mm-hmm. how we use our spines and how a horse uses his spine. But there absolutely is. I mean, the simplest way to feel that is, you know, if you're sitting in a chair right now, if you're driving, don't do this. But if you're sitting in a chair right now um, and you just uh, look up to the ceiling, you will be shortening the back of your neck. So you, you are, in a, in a sense, you are inverting your spine in the way that a horse who is above the bit Whose, head, whose nose is going up in the air, we would say that that horse is inverting his spine and he's getting that U-necked look where the bottom part of his neck becomes overdeveloped. Well, when, when a horse inverts like that, his, his back will drop. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, we talk about a horse's back being like a suspension bridge where you have the pillar of the front legs and the hind legs and then the spine is suspended you know, between those two legs. And, and when you, when the horse's back drops, and then you put a rider's weight into that, well, now that suspension bridge just, you know, begins to drop more and more and more, and you get the, the rubbing of the vertebrae together, and you get a lot of, you get a lot of health issues that come from that. And you can feel that in your own body when you look up to the sky, feel what happens in your lower back and your pelvis can you feel it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and it's the same thing that happens to us happens to the horse so we can exp- and that's just a simple example so we can explore an enormous amount of what is it that we are looking for in our horses and how do we get there by exploring our own balance and and we can begin to understand this what comes before the thing that so you know you were earlier you were talking about Spanish walk so what I would want to do is go through an exploration in my own body and I can do it standing of what is involved in lift and I would be lifting my front leg my my arm but how do I lift my arm up and extend it out in front of me what comes before the lifting? You know, where does that movement come from? So, you know, it does, I don't just lift my arm up, but where does that movement come from? Where does it begin? How far uh, do those connections grow? And the exploration of that may give me some real clues in terms of what I need to be watching for in my horse mm-hmm. uh, because it doesn't begin where you know it it's fully be- extended no yeah it actually does begin with the knee being flexed like that and yeah. there's there's a point where the foot is slowly starting to come under the yeah. knee and then in front of the knee and then what else is happening? So if you were if you stood up, which you're not going to do right now, no. But if you stood up and really explored that, and we 
I mean, this is one of the things that we can do in the course because I do a lot of these body explorations of where does that movement really come from? Mm-hmm. And it may end up surprising you because you're right now you're looking at your extremity and not at your Well, core. yeah, it may come from the shoulder. Yeah. And then where does the movement of the shoulder come from? So there's always mm. a thing before the thing before the thing that you're aware of. Mm. You know, the movement. So it may come it, from the belly. Yeah. So we begin to explore that and it changes completely how you perceive the details of movement. Yeah. It's very well, you know, it's like when you teach the hind leg for, for cleaning the foot and you put your hand on the hunch. Yep. You feel just, you know, the beginning of the movement. That's very helpful when you have that, especially when you don't want a horse to do the Kung Fu kick, you know, right. so it has to come up really slowly. Yep. So, you know, it's like a, a train. Huh? Once it's it's started to, to go, it's harder to stop. But if you can stop it really early, it's easier to stop it like a big boat. Yes. So if you can feel it just on, on the top of their hunch, is that the right word? Yes. Yeah. Uh, just the, the beginning of the movement and click there. Then you'll have a slow foot, yes. not a kung fu kick. Yes. So you look at these subtle weight shifts and where they come from. And, and if, you, what, if you didn't have the weight shift, your click would be so late. Yeah. That leg would be way up there. That's right. And a horse is not going to be able to do a good Spanish walk without involving his whole body. Mm. So, you know, you start looking at, it's not just... Oh, no. Well, one. first of all, all the other legs need to be at the right place before you can even yeah. lift it. Right. So that's the kind of thing that we'd be exploring in the what do you see clinic. And it's, so it's that and it's that beginning of the exploration of body awareness, our own body awareness and feel that carries forward into what becomes a really, really fun explorations as we get deeper into the riding. So you really understand why these patterns that we use both on the ground and under saddle, why they work to produce this just extraordinary balance. You go, wow, that is so cool that you're getting this just gorgeous collection. Um, and, And it's popping out of what are essentially very simple patterns but simple patterns done with that awareness of balance um, just changes everything. It's really neat. So that's uh, the what do you see clinic. And then the rope handling clinic gets into the details of the shaping on a point of contact and the skill building that goes into um, using a lead as a communication tool, which is really fun. So it just it layer by layer, clinic by clinic, we build out the repertoire and you're building out the repertoire of the handlers as well as the horses. So my, my goal with this is to develop some really skilled, you know, to have people go through to use the clinic. Cause you, you could use the clinics in a variety of ways. You could, you can sign up just for the online self-paced portion, go through them on your own 
use them however you want, or you can become involved in the clinics plus the coaching sessions. And my goal there is to develop really skilled trainers who end up with this just beautifully trained horses, but to have, you know, to really develop skilled, positive reinforcement trainers through this process. And um, so I'm, I'm really excited by it. I, I think it's a neat opportunity to expand the, the work even further. You know, you start getting people together and uh, because, you know, what, what the online, doing it online allows us to do is to get together more frequently. Because when they're in-person clinics and I'm having to get on an airplane and, and fly to wherever, uh, I may only see uh, a horse handler team once or twice a year because I may only be in that area once or twice a year. And that it's great, you know, we can definitely make progress. But if we're not having to spend money on hotels and trailers and, you know, all the rest of that, we can get together more frequently and really develop the handling skills. So it's exciting. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what emerges through this clinic process. I, and I just, I, I hope to see lots of our regular listeners joining in in the courses because I think it's an exciting offering. Sounds great. Yeah. And I, I really like, you know, this idea that you're kind of spreading it out a little bit so that people have more time to digest everything and be fresh every time they participating. It's um, and the content sounds great. Yeah. And they truly can go through them at their own pace. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you're not signing up. It's not like, okay, April 1st, I get to sign up for the getting started course. Mm -hmm. And it's going to run from April to, you know, I don't know, June. And so I have to know that I'm going to have that time available to participate in the course. But oh my goodness, it's spring and it's pouring buckets and I can't work my horse because I'm knee deep in mud and I'm worried about falling behind, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's not run that way. Um, because I recognize that, you know, people are in different climates. And uh, today, this week, I may have sunny weather, but you're, but where you are, it's pouring buckets. But the virtual coaching will be on specific times, no? Not the virtual coaching is going to be on a, uh, you know, I'm going to present them on a, I'm going to be doing them on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the dates. You can still watch if you haven't, if you weren't there in real time. Yes, they'll be available. No, no. Oh, the, okay. the virtual coaching is live. Okay. It's only so live. It's not recorded. It's not. No. So you would, you need to be there. Okay. But you can be anywhere in the courses. So part yeah, of the yeah, advantage yeah. here is we'll have people who are just starting out mm -hmm. and people who are further along. Mm -hmm. So if you're just starting out, you'll be able to see what people who are further along are doing and be mm. inspired by that mm. and the people who are further along will be reminded of some of those beginning details okay. because I've always found that in the clinics that there is a huge advantage of having people at lots of different levels you know we often will get somebody in the clinics where we have uh, you know, we do the Friday night intros and you've got uh, sitting around the table and you've got people who've been at this for 
years upon years and they're really experienced. And then that one person who's just starting out is feeling, you know, oh, I feel so insecure because all these other people are, and it's like, no, we, we welcome you. We want you because you're going to ask the best questions mm. because you're new. You're going to be asking these questions and we're going to be going, oh, we haven't thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. We're not seeing it through your fresh eyes. Wow, we need to rethink this. Mm-hmm. So there is a huge advantage to having people who are at different levels of experience coming together and having those those conversations together. So and and I'm you know I'm going to hold them on a regular basis and I'm going to set them up different times so different times so that. Uh, there will be some where it's going to be very easy for people who are in Europe to join in, mm. but the Australians would be up in the middle of the night. Mm. But then there will be others where uh, that are set up so it's easier for people who are on that side of the planet, mm. Australia, New Zealand, and so on, to join in. And of course, those of us who are in North America will find the time zones much easier because you know that's where that's where you I are. Am, so. Yeah, and I'm not going to be getting up at 2 a.m. to run a coaching session. <laughs> I don't know why, but why shouldn't <laughs> I? <laughs> but I, t- I, I suspect that I'm not going to be doing that. So what I want is what I've always done, is to let it evolve. So as people participate, they will be involved in shaping the evolution of these courses. Mm -hmm. But my goal, my goal is I want, I want to share positive reinforcement training, but I want to share sort of my, my worldview of that. So, you know, there are lots of different types of positive reinforcement training. There's the, you know, are you training from the wide end of the funnel or the, or are you starting at the narrow end of the funnel? You know, the narrow end of the funnel was really that constructional approach. It uses the loopy training approach, you know, as a teaching structure. And so that's part of it. And then uh, I really want to help people to become balance obsessed, you know, because once once you see it, you can't unsee it. You know, Mm -hmm. once you see a horse that is carrying himself well and can stay sound because he's carrying himself well, versus a horse who may be doing the outer trappings of the movement, but it's at a detriment to his long-term well-being, you can't unsee that. And beautiful balance, it just feels good. It feels good to the horse. It's uh, emotionally, it feels feels good. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to be said for having your, your senior horse who's still comfortable in his body. Mm. There's a lot to be said for that. And then I, I want to really help people to become skilled trainers, really skilled trainers. So it's going to be fun. We'll see where it takes us. It's going to be really Wonderful. Fun. Yeah. Sounds great. Yep. So those are the clinics. If you want to learn more, do please visit my website, theclickercenter.com. You'll see detailed descriptions for all eight clinics, including the syllabus for each course. 
The registration for the clinics is open. You can sign up for them at any time. Remember, you don't have to wait for a particular start date. So if you're interested, just go to the website and you can get started uh, whenever you like. If you're listening to this podcast six months after I've published it, it doesn't matter. Just go to my website, theclickercenter.com, to register. These clinics are brand new, and at the time of publishing this, I've just had the registration open for, I think, a week and a half. So right now, everyone who's going through them has pretty much started at the same time. And I have to say, it's just a fabulous group. Everyone so far who's signed up for the course is familiar to some degree with clicker training, and that includes some very skilled trainers who I have known for years. I think in many ways, they are the ones who are most excited to be revisiting the foundation lessons. Their experience means that they're bringing new questions to these lessons, and they really understand that. They're, they're really seeing the value in going back and looking at the very beginning steps with their own horses. And they understand, and they're, and they're already discovering, that they see these lessons very differently now that they do have more experience than they did the first time going through them. I've been really staggered reading the posts they send in to the course forum. Just beautiful statements about their horses, what they want for their horses, and how they view clicker training. Their posts have generated lots of good discussions, and it's it's really been great reading. But I don't want you to feel as though if you're a total beginner that these clinics aren't for you. They were designed for you. So absolutely come and join us. And you won't miss out if you join in a little later. People are creating some really great reading for you as they move through the course. The the platform that I'm using is just wonderfully well designed. It has built into the course. It has a discussion forum that's very easy to use. And so people have been jumping in and just writing some extraordinary things about training. And I love that because it means these clinics are very dynamic. They're going to continue to grow as more people join in. And that's going to get me closer to my goals for these clinics. So my goal, again, is to help people become really skilled, thoughtful, positive reinforcement trainers. So if that sounds like something that you'd like to explore, just go to my website, theclickercenter.com, take a look at the clinic descriptions, and if they feel like a good fit, do please come join us. And if you have any questions, I am always just an email away. So next week, we'll start another conversation here in this podcast. And in the meantime, stay safe and have fun with your horses.